there's no such thing as a cookie cutter approach to business. I think I had to really learn that it doesn't matter if the season I'm in looks different to my business friend. I actually just have to identify where are the holes in this season and where do I want to go in the future so that I can create the business I want. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode. Today I am joined by Hannah Murphy, who is a productivity strategist, as well as the visionary of, with Hannah and Co., a productivity strategy company. Hi there, Hannah. Welcome to Work Less, Earn More. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So the reason I wanted to have Hannah on the show today was to talk with her about some major pivots that she has gone through with her business as she has scaled her business over the past few years. Her business has really grown and changed a lot. She's gone through several iterations of really different business models even. And I think it's really interesting, these different changes she's made and kind of the motivation behind them. And I've also got some questions for her about some different lessons she's learned as she's gone through each of these different phases with the business. And I'd also love to dive into talking a little bit about what it means to be a productivity strategist and what your work with your clients looks like. So there's so much to unpack today. We'll see if we can fit it all into half an hour. But to start out, can you just tell me a little bit about how your business originally got started and what kind of the first iteration of it looked like? So I never thought I would be a business owner. Honestly, didn't even know the business world existed. I was in my first year of university studying primary teaching. And during that time, I honestly just needed a side job to financially sustain me through that season. It was a four-year degree. And I tried like so many side jobs and just they were so unfulfilling. I didn't enjoy them like, you know, in retail and all of those kind of things. And um, I randomly was following someone on Instagram and if you can't tell me now, I'm in Australia, but I was following this coach in the US. No idea how we connected, but I saw on her Instagram story that she posted about she was looking for a virtual assistant and honestly had no idea what that was. I had to Google what a virtual assistant was. And then I just reached out to her and I was like, look, I've never done this before, but happy to learn. And she was very gracious in giving me that opportunity. And so from there, that was my kind of into the business world. And I just fell in love with it. And now like four or five years later, I couldn't imagine, you know, doing anything else. I just fell in love with it. Um, so I started doing VA work, lots of like, you know, I tried doing a website design, realized I was terrible at that, tried to do like all of these different things and kind of landed in the blog and Pinterest space. And so that's kind of where my business started to grow. But yeah, I love the business world now. I love hearing these origin stories. And they're so funny in retrospect. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> that what you just described is so similar to even what I did. And recently I was interviewing one of the virtual assistants that works for my company. And she told a very similar story yeah. about just when you have no idea about the online business world, you have no idea. Yeah. And so then you learn about one of the jobs and you just have no context. 
context to fit it into. So for example, my virtual assistant, she said that her cousin was a virtual assistant and she said, hey, you could work with me. I could use some more help. And so she told her husband, I'm going to work with my cousin. I'm going to work for my cousin. I think I'm going to like answer emails or something. And she just had no idea. And I remember uh, kind of the same thing for me. I didn't start as a virtual assistant at all, but I was just like, how do people make money online? Like, what even is this? What am I getting into? I don't know. A lot of us started by watching some sort of webinar or something. Yeah. We just like have no idea even what we're listening to. And it's just yeah. so funny in retrospect, but it's great because the, just like the learning journey that you see mm. yourself go through and how, like you were saying, now you can't even imagine doing anything different and how much you love it. And that's what I found so many people have experienced. So when you got started, you started as a virtual assistant, but then you said you kind of shifted into the blog and Pinterest space. What did that shift look like for you from like a practical perspective? How did perhaps your services change and how did you make that shift? One of the jobs that that original VA client got me to do was research Pinterest. And honestly, I didn't even have a personal Pinterest account. So that kind of first season was really good. And I did actually had to learn the platform and I had to learn how to blog I had to learn how to pin, like do Pinterest well because I had never done it before. And so that was kind of the first stage I would say is actually learning my craft and like getting really good at it, testing it on my own accounts, like making my own blog and just seeing what worked and what didn't, looking at how I could streamline it. And then from there, I realized like this was actually a real need in the market. And so I, I started researching people that I would really love to work with on Instagram. And a lot of them were kind of like photographers or those kind of businesses that would do really well on Pinterest from what I knew. And so during that time of just working with like one VA client, I then started pitching people and I was like, look, if you're interested, these are the services I offer. So I created two packages, one that was Pinterest only and one that was blog and Pinterest combined. And then through that pitching, I landed uh, three clients and they were kind of my original ones. They were I mean, they were amazing, but they definitely were my guinea pigs in learning what worked and what didn't and just testing and tweaking. And they were so gracious in allowing me to do that. Um, that was kind of the first stage is learning the craft and then testing it with a few clients that I got from pitching them. So interesting. So a couple things I wanted to point out there. One is I love how you described that you did know things and then you learned things, right? I think a lot of us have this mindset block that is like, oh, I couldn't be a that or I couldn't make that much money or something because I don't have the skills yet. And that's what we call a fixed mindset. And it's mm -hmm. easy to be like, oh, no, I have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. But I think we yeah. all fall into that mistake. Of, as long as we're thinking about like, I need to have those skills, it's hard to imagine getting the skills is hard to imagine being a different person than the person we are today and it's only when we kind of naturally go down a rabbit trail uh, where we're not overthinking that we kind of get over that hump so that's really cool and just a great example the other thing was a question you said you eventually landed three clients I'm curious how many people did you have to pitch before you got those three clients I pitched about from memory like 10 to 15 but it was interesting because like the first client that I got was actually really well known in her space. And so from then I was able to adapt my pitch to say she was a client and that mm -hmm. helped me get those pitches, like those other two much faster. So I would say it probably took about like two to three weeks to actually get those clients. 
But keep in mind, that's when I first started pitching. I did about like two to three months before actually learning Pinterest and doing all of that. So it was kind of a bit of a journey, but that kind of two to three weeks was when I started getting paid for blog and Pinterest. I think it's so helpful to just have that context and have mm. that like real world example yeah. because oftentimes people will just be intimidated by the idea of pitching at all and they might think like, oh, probably no one's going to say yes. And then they might do like five pitches and your first five pitches, you're just the first few pitches you do, they're going to be the hardest pitches you ever do because you're yeah. writing things from scratch and you're having to do a lot of thought and you're changing a lot of things. The more and more you do, the easier they get. But you do the first like five or so and you're like, man, that was really hard and I didn't get any clients, yeah. it's probably never going to work. And yep. so just to have that example up, in your case, it happened to be 10 to 15. Yep. And in other cases, it might be more. It also might be less, but it's just a numbers game, especially because it is an iterative process and you're going to learn through the process. It's so true. Yeah. And the like first nine, I was so deflated. I was like, I'm getting ghosted. Like no one's replying. Is this what, is this going to work? And I think like when the 10th, like when I did that 10th pitch and got the reply, I was like, oh, wow, this does work. And all of a sudden forgot all the no's that I had received. But you're so right. It's like sometimes you have to actually push, push through the strategy to see and get the data. Like it really is a math numbers game, which is fun. And I also think it's important to note that it's normal mm -hmm. to end up beating yourself up about yes. how you approach the first few pitches. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, even at like the stage of the game I'm at right now, there are still times when I try something new. Maybe I'm like pitching some new opportunity or something and I'll start like just feeling it out. And then I'll look back on my first few pitches and I'm like, oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> what was I even thinking? Why did I say it that way? And so... If you are your own worst critic of those first few pitches, and it's not just that you got to know, but you're also like, I did a terrible job. That's great news because it means now you know what you need to do differently. Yes, exactly. So you got those first three clients. They were your guinea pigs, but they were awesome. And then how did your business change after that? It changed very quickly in a great way, but also in a way that I was like, oh crap, this is actually working. I'm making more than I would in teaching. I need to learn how to do this better. And so, yeah, so from then I did those first three clients and that was probably for, I would say like a month or two um, of just kind of nailing them down. And then I introduced a referral program to those three people because I was like, I love working with them. They're great clients. And as soon as I introduced that, my business grew significantly. So I went from three to 27 clients in a six-month period. And through that, uh, about 70 to 80% was referrals and the rest was from Instagram. So I was like in those first month or two, I was trying pitching, but I was also trying like Facebook marketing and, you know, all the things you try as a new business owner. But I found through referrals and pitching, uh, and Instagram, those three were just like such great generators for me. And it meant that I got really high quality clients, especially from those referrals and pitches, because they were the people that I love to work with and that I thought would do really well. So yeah, I had really great kind of referral partners and grew in that. So then I had to learn, okay, how do I streamline this? How do I do this well? And had to look at hiring as well to help maintain it all. So it was a massive journey. I'm sure you have a lot of little questions within that, but that was kind of the overall part of how it looked. Let's get into the team aspect in a few minutes here. First, I want all the details on your referral program. Tell yeah. me exactly how it worked. Okay, so the referral program, um, I made it very simple. So the first thing I, I basically just said, 
you know, hey, just let you know, like every time you refer a client to me, you'll get a free month. So at the time, my Pinterest package was about $3.97. So um, that's kind of, they just got a free month from that. And so I put it like I did a website page, very, very simple one that was basically just like every successful referral you send my way, I give you a free month. And I had a little calculator that was like, if I send five people her way, I'll get five months free. Like something very simple like that. And I also put it in all of my onboarding emails. So then new clients would see that and then start to refer. So that was kind of how it started. And then as it evolved, it then I started going to like 10% for every successful referral. So it was, yeah, it was just very simple. But I remember then all of my contact forms would be like, hey, this person sent me or this person sent me. And like, I realized, man, uh, referrals is one of the most underestimated forms of marketing. So I do have a few follow-up questions though. Yeah. First of all, I'm wondering when you were offering the one month free and the one month free was that 397 package, roughly how many hours of your time did it take for you to deliver one month of service to a client? In the beginning, it was more like two to three hours per client because I was learning and growing and testing things. But within the second and third month, it was about an hour a week per client. And then if they were a blog, it was about an hour a week as well. So kind of two hours combined. So it was like, it was manageable because it wasn't hours and hours every single week. And I could batch it. Like Pinterest is a very batch, you know, friendly service. Okay. So when you were doing that referral program, you're basically having to pay, if you will, about like four to maybe five or six hours of your time to get that referral client. Correct. And like, it was worth it for me because my contract was a minimum of three months, but I had a high client retention. So they usually kept staying after that as well. So for me, I was like, I'm spending my time here, which means I'm spending less time marketing because they're doing the marketing for me. So it was kind of a trade-off that I liked because I preferred the client work to the marketing and it actually was referring and they were actively doing it. And yeah, I remember getting to like that 27 mark. I was like, okay, I to check this referral system because I don't know how many more I could take on. But yeah, it worked really well. Okay, can I get really real with you about something for a minute here? I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks you should be able to learn how to grow your business without spending thousands of dollars on bloated training. Seriously, there's no reason it needs to be as expensive as a lot of online courses are. That's why I don't offer really pricey coaching. I want to teach real people how to build really profitable businesses at a price that actually makes sense. So I asked myself, how can I connect with you in a really personal way, teach you everything you need to know to grow your business and help you actually do it? And how can I guarantee this won't cost an arm and a leg? Asking myself those questions four years ago is how I came up with the idea for Startup Society the program I wish had existed when I was struggling to get my online business off the ground. So if you're a freelancer, a coach, or a course creator, and you want my guidance, plus the support of my own team to build your business, then Startup Society is for you. Just head to startupsociety.com to learn more and find out when enrollment next opens. I can't wait to meet you, show you the ropes, and guide you to start growing your business a whole lot faster startupsociety.com. Building an online business doesn't have to be so complicated.
You said, you know, toward the end there, when you got up to about 27 clients, you thought, you know, this is working maybe a little too well. I don't necessarily have the extra time to give away. So you changed your referral program. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you changed it and your reasoning there? It was a few things. Like as soon as you bring on a team, you've got more expenses. So I had to keep that in mind. So basically what I did was every new client, I said that it was a $100 like payout that I just sent through like PayPal. So I, it was very simple. As soon as that person paid their first invoice for their first month, I paid a hundred dollars of that. Uh, so that's kind of like how I did that. But I also am a big believer in like fostering what works and really honoring those clients who had been a big contributor to my business growth. And so like there was probably two to three clients that I kept on that 397, mainly because they'd already had already had so many months in bank. But it was worth it for me because that it's almost like, you know, you pay money for ads. So why not pay money for this person who is actually getting me, you know, a thousand dollars worth of like client as you add the three months up. So yeah, that's kind of how it changed. It was just a hundred dollars, but yeah, it still worked great with that. So basically you got to a point where your time was worth more than, and like you recognize your time was worth far more than $25 an hour. So it made more sense to pay a hundred dollars than to spend another four hours of your time. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I love how simple you kept things throughout that mm-hmm. whole process because it could have been so easy to overcomplicate that with a lot of very complex software. Yes, exactly. Especially for services, I find like courses are totally different because it is that automated way. It makes sense to have tech to do it. But when it's Mm -hmm. a service, it's very like hands-on client related. So like I had a system that, that highlighted that aspect of it as well, which is good. Yes, I love that, that you're pointing out that, you know, you had the right system for your business model, for the products you were selling, because yes, you were working one-on-one with your clients and also you had a much smaller volume of clients than you would have had had you had, you know, courses. Um, And so, for example, we have an affiliate program for our courses and there's, it would really cost us a lot more time or effort to do it manually. And so it makes sense at that point to pay for an affiliate software. But in your case, it would have just been costing you extra money and it would have probably taken more of your time to manage that system. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you were really smart about how you went about that and you didn't let kind of like the buggy get in front of the horse. Exactly. Yep. So tell me a little bit about how your time and your responsibilities changed as you made that journey from originally three clients up to 27 clients. In the initial stages, like I was still, to be very honest and transparent, learning the Pinterest algorithm. Like I'd only been doing it for a few months and yes, I was getting results, but I now needed to get results at volume. So I was still learning courses and being really being the learner and the tester as well, if that makes sense. So those initial kind of months were still very much, you know, like trying to do all the tasks and all of that kind of thing. But then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to actually streamline the Pinterest service more because I can't hire unless I've actually got a system in place for someone to take it over. So I'd had to prioritize the system. So then I started going, how can I batch uh, like tasks with my week? So then it was like, okay, well, you know, creating their designs, like that's different weeks for each client. So I kind of got that system nailed and that was really uh, the second phase, I would say, after learning it. Now it was like, okay, how can I do that effectively? And 
I then started to go, okay, what are my strengths and weaknesses with blog and Pinterest? And so I loved the client communication part, terrible at design, which is not helpful for a Pinterest manager. So then as I realized that, as my income has grown, uh, because I had a recurring service, I felt really good about hiring a team. So I initially hired her for I think it was like five hours a month. It really wasn't that much. And her sole job was Pinterest design. So making the pin templates, making board covers, like all the design related things. Month in went, heck, this is really keeping on growing. I actually need help. And keep in mind, I was still a full-time student studying primary teaching. So I actually really did need the help. And so then I brought her on uh, more as like a full-time role, kind of, uh, like not full-time employee, but more full-time in that client service part. And so then she started really taking on clients. So then toward the end of that period of time, I was then more like strategist and head of that department. And she was managing all the emails with clients. She was really doing a lot of the Pinterest work and the blog work, all the design. So I, like my role changed a lot and it changed quite quickly. So it was quite hard to go, okay, I'm no longer doing that. I need to learn how to release that and trust her to do that and maintain, like not micromanage, but just make sure she's supported and knows how to do that. So yeah, my role always changed and looked different, but I always kept in mind, like, how can I uh, still have really good client care? Like that was always a huge priority for me and looking at whatever my role was that I was still prioritizing that. So many good business lessons, just that aspect of growing your business. I mean, first of all, the question comes to mind that seems to be like a hot debate topic in the online business world of like, do you have to hustle or should you not hustle? And I think that, you know, your story really shows these different phases and how in different kind of seasons of growing your business, different things are required from you. So in the beginning part, you were talking about how you're really still learning and you're working with your clients. So I know you also were going to college, but yeah. I mean, for your business, it was like yeah. getting your, your business degree, you know, your Pinterest degree. And at the same time, you were working a job. So yeah, some hustle was required there, right? Because you were yeah. having these two kind of full-time things. Yeah. And then as your business grew and you had more clients and you had more skills under your belt, you were able to back off of that yeah. learning and thus work fewer hours and earn more, really, yeah, um, because you had more clients. And I think like, especially in that phase of creating the systems for it, like I've really learned that sometimes scaling looks like maintaining and really it's like actually getting a, a better foundation and a clearer foundation so that then when I actually look like scaling as far as business growth and what the you know, business world sees it scaling really well, um, that I could do that without burning out behind the scenes or hurting my team's like mental well-being. And so I think it's really important to keep in mind those different phases you mentioned because they're all important to the growth of your business. Absolutely. And then later on, when you were finally ready to hire someone, you said something that I thought was really key. You said because you had that continuity income because yeah. you've had these clients on retainer, you felt comfortable hiring someone. And I think that's so key because a lot of the time people think, ah, I kind of need some help, but I don't know if I can afford it. And they might feel that way because they're not making any money in their business yet or practically any money or because their income is really up and down every month. But once you have some 
some sort of service or product that's creating that continuity income. So it could be a service that you have clients on retainer, or it could be some sort of subscription product, for example, or even a funnel that is uh, producing really consistent results month after month. Then you can hire with a lot of confidence. Yes, it's so true. Whenever you hire, it really is an investment that you want a return on, right? And so you've got to then look at, well, she's in the client department. So how can I not monetize isn't the right word, but how can I get the ROI on that role? Is it from client retention? Is it from clients, you know, referrals or the amount of that? And so, yeah, every time I hired, I looked at, okay, yes, the recurring revenue helps me feel good about that, but also I want to keep not just recurring, but increasing as well. So how can I make sure that is an ROI and that higher? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're worried about the expense of hiring someone, then there's something kind of fundamentally wrong with your business that needs to be yeah. fixed exactly. before you'll be ready to hire because hiring someone should not be an expense most of the time. You know, sometimes early on you're hiring someone who you're going to train and they'll be an expense at first. But longer term should not be an expense. It really should be an investment with, like you said, that positive ROI. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about how your business has changed since that point when you hired that first employee. I'm trying to remember the exact timeline. (laughs) I should have written this out, but it was about like six months in, I'd hired her kind of toward that like four month mark. And then she had started to grow. And then about a year in, she was really doing every, everything with that actual blog at Pinterest side. Um, and I was still like, with teaching, you've got to go on my month-long pracs, like full-time teacher. So really, there was a lot of those periods of time where I just had to focus on like studying. And so it kind of depended on the season I was in. But because I had scaled so quickly... A lot of my clients were like, wow, how can you manage all of these clients, but still make me feel so valued? Like as a, like I'm your only client and I'm trying to do a lot of these things and I'm feeling overwhelmed with my schedule. Like, could you just help me? And so that was where I started transitioning, like really naturally just with my clients. And I, you know, paid like sent them an invoice and we got on a one-on-one call and I basically just consulted with them and helped create them a schedule and some systems. And then they started to go, this is really good. You should do services like this or like do a course like this. And that was kind of where I started to go, oh, like there is more to my business than blogger Pinterest. And so that's when I started to then pivot into the productivity space. And I started like just one-on-one. I would get on a call, like, you know, oh, basically just coaching, um, but specific to their schedule and their systems. And then from there, I was like, okay, I need to create a course on this because my time uh, in this season is not as huge as I can offer. Like I can't keep doing one-on-one work all the time. And so create a course. And I think I was like, that one-on-one time was really important for me because I'd created a schedule for myself that worked, but I needed to know how to make that into a system that could scale. So that was really good having that one-on-one to test it with clients and then create it into a course because I knew it worked for multiple people. It definitely was a transition more into that education and then it made the marketing look different. It made all of those things look different, but it was really fun. Like I, I love goal setting and dreaming and kind of thinking forward. So once I had scaled and that the blog and Pinterest was working like a well-oiled machine, it gave me the freedom to move over. But if I had had to do both at once, I don't think it would have worked. My attention would have been divided 
that I couldn't have done both well. A business lesson that I think is so valuable there is the way that you transitioned by first doing some one-on-one consulting work before you created a course. Because as amazing as courses are, and I'll, I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but as amazing as they are, one big challenge with creating and selling courses is that oftentimes you aren't very closely involved and like yeah. close contact with your students. And so it can be really hard to get the feedback you need to improve the course and ensure that it's really what your audience wants. And so it's, it's just so smart to start out by working with people who you are actually talking to individuals, because that will help you to learn so much more than if you just sit down and try to create the course based off of some knowledge in your head. And like also helped with marketing because it gave me language for how they described their pain points and how they described what they wanted their schedule to look like, because Otherwise, I would have just assumed what they thought. So that was also really helpful in doing that way as well. Yeah, that always helps so much. And then the other thing I was going to say was now with you being a productivity strategist now and having that be your main role, or at least the main way in which you educate people, um, I think it's kind of cool to see your business as an example where you started with a service and you became more and more productive like you improved your productivity by focusing on the right priorities and developing your business so you were able to serve more and more clients and make more and more money and people are like wow how are you so productive and then eventually you achieved master level which was where you sold online courses and then it's like I not only cut down the amount of time that I needed to work with clients down to essentially zero, but I also made it so that my business can scale practically effortlessly. Yeah, exactly right. It, it's a it's a nice being able to hold both of the time and money in the hand and find that nice meeting point. And that's what I love about digital products so much yeah. that they make that possible instead of just like, how can I serve these clients faster and faster and faster and more efficiently? Instead, it's just like, I can serve them in no time at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's so cool. Country. <laughs> well, Hannah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for just being an open book and for sharing so much about your business growth and these lessons that you've learned along the way. Before we wrap this up, do you have any final words for the listeners, perhaps about a key lesson you learned through this process of growing your business? Yeah, I think like there's no such thing as a cookie cutter approach to business. I think I had to really learn that it doesn't matter if the season I'm in looks different to my business friend. I actually just have to identify where are the holes in this season and where do I want to go in the future so that I can create the business I want and I can create the business that, you know, supports a team that has great systems that, you know, gives me a schedule I love and I would get deflated or annoyed if it didn't look like what I thought it was meant to look. But as soon as I let that go, I was like, you know what, I just got to do my best and I've got to really be aligned with where I am right now. That gave me a lot of freedom. So good. Well, thank you so much, Hannah. We'll be sure to include links in the show notes to your websites and your social media and all of that. Thank you so much for your time and for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. 
And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.